can never if, call you uh, smart. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> That's what changes about you as you get older is mm-hmm. you realize how precious your time is. It's just a rage because you suck so bad. You know what I try and do? I try and be my kid's hero. I've always sucked really, really bad at shooters. It's good to hear your voice, Dave. (laughs) (laughs) Hey everyone, how's it going? Phil here. This episode is about divorce. It's something that I've talked about a few times on different episodes that we've published. This time around, we actually brought a guest speaker on. His name is Brian. Uh, He went through divorce as a kid when he was younger. I went through it as an adult. And um, now Dave has never been through it, but uh, gave perspectives as an adult in a very healthy marriage. And so I think between the three perspectives, it painted a pretty interesting picture. And we hope that you enjoy it. And we are live. Welcome to the latest episode. Phil, not only is Phil here, but Brian is here today to discuss some things. Our first official third party, uh, but someone who's known us for decades. Yeah, and we talked about Brian a bunch too, so he's come up a few times, but now he's an official guest. Clearly, I have to catch up on those episodes to find out what gossip is. (laughs) (laughs) All good stuff. All good stuff. So when when so, so we today, rec- we recorded topic. an episode on what on the pandemic a little while ago right that was what yeah a um, couple months ago oh my goodness man we've we've like we recorded a bunch and then we've been releasing them over time I honestly don't remember the last time we recorded uh, I think it was early on in pandemic and it's like every week every day in the pandemic right is like you feel a little different i certainly feel a little different now well, plus in you change roles I, I got a new job right and so we've just been busy oh yeah we both got new jobs yeah. yeah but but we had we have a bunch of topics that were queued up and this is one of them that i wanted to go over for a while just because i brought it up a few times which was divorce and so that's why we invited brian as well because um i went through it personally brian experienced it when he was a child and so um, there's just a lot of personally. People. I'm on my uh, fifth wife. Okay. <laughs> right. So I, I just instead of getting rid of my furniture, I just like to get divorced. It gets me all in the furniture. <laughs> Anyhow, um, there's there's people that are in our demographic that are going through this. I know of a lot of people personally that are going through it, and so I just thought it'd be a good thing to um, to talk about. You know, one one of the things that Dave and I committed to early on is that this podcast was going to be a record for our children to listen to one day where they can hear us talking about things that we don't normally talk to them about, you know, having adult conversations right now. Um, my oldest still aren't, uh, um, 17 yet. They will be soon. But, uh, my guess is then five years, 10 years, whatever we come up with here is stuff that they're going to, um, and God forbid, you know, I get hit by a bus or something. They'll have this record of us having conversations, about things that they've never talked to us before. I wish I had something like this from my parents, but uh, um, this particular topic is one that I want to make sure they hear it from my mouth too. Yeah, I agree. And it's it's very much like uh, almost therapy for us 
talking in these sessions. I've actually gone back in the previous ones, and it's interesting hearing myself say things that maybe I forgot perspective to uh, to look at. So it's yes, yeah. it's, it's not just for kids; it's great for for us to look back to. And I, um, you've told me things over the years. I mean, I was there when it all happened. We've been friends long enough, but just some of the things you told me too, like. I realized there's a whole like phase of life in age group that I've never even seen. Like you talking about what it was like to be in an apartment and other people at that stage who had gone through a divorce and that like that whole like phase of life. Right. And uh, I just think it'll be good to talk about. I don't know how much I'll add, <laughs> but I'm interested to hear all of your uh, perspectives and I'm here. It's funny because you guys had mentioned we were going to do this episode and my grandmother recently passed. She passed uh, <clears throat> over like the Thanksgiving holiday. So we got a lot of documents. Oh, I actually have my parents' divorce papers. Oh, wow. Which I got to see for the first time ever. It's like four pages. Like back in the day, no one messed around. It's like, yeah, this is this, this is this. That's it. It doesn't have to be some 700-page document. But um, it was interesting because I had heard the stories um, – just a little bit of background about my story. Um, I, my parents were married in like, oh, I want to say April of 70. Um, I was born in February of 72. And then my father took me and my mother and dropped us off at my grandparents' house in October of 72. So I was eight months old. So I never knew. I didn't go through the typical older divorce. I never knew my parents together. I always knew I lived at my grandmother and grandfather's house. And my mother was somewhat handicapped. So um, really, I looked at my grandmother and grandfather as my mother and father. And my mother was more like a sick aunt in the house. I mean, that's the way I always described it. They were divorced by February of 1975. So from eight months on, I lived with and was raised by my grandparents. The interesting story there is uh, my grandmother got the nickname Nanny because as I was growing up, I couldn't – I kept calling her Mommy. And they couldn't get me to call her grandma. So the, they settled on nanny. It was the closest they could get to uh, you know, a compromise. So that's wow. Cool. That's interesting. <clears throat> that's really interesting. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, um, it's something that I think about a lot. You know, my son, when, when um, my youngest son, when my ex-wife and I separated, was just under two years old. <clears throat> And then my daughter was was like around four, and then the twins were you know around eight, and so they they were in second grade, and they were they were old enough to remember what life was like beforehand, you know, and they can still remember me being in the house and stuff. And um, my youngest daughter just barely so, you know, I tell her a lot of stories, and she remembers the stories, but she probably can't recall the stuff. But um, yeah, I I um I remember, I actually remember vividly the moment when I sat down with all the kids and I, and I had like, we were all around the table and I told them that I was, I was leaving the house and I will never, ever, ever forget that conversation. You know, um, I didn't really candy coat it. I just, you know, everyone sat down and it was at the recommendation of a therapist, you know, just be honest with them and just, um, tell them the straight truth. And so, um, you know, we got them all around the table. I said, um, because I, I had actually I had moved out <clears throat> a week or two before that, if, if I recall properly, and um, and so I was coming back to the house to visit, and I would spend time with them, and so like we hadn't really told the kids what was going on yet, 
And when I sat down and I said, I'm, I'm moving out, the entire room burst into tears, like, like wailing, shrieking tears. And it's etched forever in my memory. And my ex-wife, I remember her looking at me and shaking my head like, this is your fault. And And I'll never forget that moment. And, um, you know, I, and then I sort of hung out in the house and the girls were crying for a while. My son kind of just went off, grabbed like a little toy or something and started playing. And then two hours later, everything was back to normal. And, um, and that's when the process really started for me, you know, of like getting my kids used to, um, me not being around all the time. And it was weird as hell. <laughs> Dave, what do you remember from when uh, Phil first told you what was going on? I remember specifically, I think we were all in Fridays or something. Mm-hmm. Right? I felt like we all met and you kind of gathered us together and let us know what was going on. And we all just, we were like there for you. Yeah. It was, a, uh, it was like a process. You know, it's one of those things in life. Where there's a lot of processing that goes on, you mm-hmm. know, but everybody in the group was like, well, we're here for you. Um, yeah. Didn't know all the details and everybody coming from different backgrounds. Yeah, it, it was a very, it, it was a very odd um, realization to come to that that would be the outcome of the marriage was that it was going to end. You know, I had no divorce in my family, really. You know, my parents are still together. My grandparents were always together. You know, it's just the norm. My brother got married. You know, he's still with his wife. And so divorce isn't the kind of thing that happens in my family. And um, it was just a very gradual process of two people, um, like, going in different directions. You know, I was working a lot. She was home with the kids. I think there was resentment that I was not home enough, you know, and, and there was a resentment from me that I was working so much and that when I got home, like I became instant like soul daddy while, you know, she um, she needed a break. Right. And so it was all this like lack of communication and resentment that ultimately led to two people just being in completely different places. And I was also going through a lot of like personal development stuff. And so um like I was just growing in, in a in a way that was not the same as the direction she was going, you know. And so one thing led to another, and uh, and it was over. I remember <clears throat> I remember being at um at at dinner with her on Valentine's Day, um, which was only a couple weeks before I left, and I was like, you know what? Because there was just like nothing there, and I remember. I was like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to try and and keep this conversation going right now. I'm going to see what happens if I don't talk. Let's see what she does. And we sat in silence for about 45 minutes. And that was to me at the most, the clearest indicator that this is just broken. You know, it brings up a good, um, a good topic specific to this in that you hear a lot of people talk about whether it's, it makes sense to stay together for kids or does it make, is it better for them to leave? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think every situation is different, and you can make either one work. You know, you can stay and make it work, and you can leave and make it work. If you stay, both people have to be willing to make it work. And if you're not both in it, you know, one of the things that I get a lot of um, of positive sort of um, – I don't know what the word is, but, you know, I, I see Dave and his wife, 
and and the way that they raise their kids and the way they support each other and it's something that you look at and say okay well that's how it's supposed to be and I, i'm sure dave that it's not perfect right but um but you're both working at it i thought you were going for a hidden webcam thing <laughs> no, I mean they're both no working at it, and and public got the supportive. Brian humor in this <laughs> <laughs> you know, so that, so that's um, yeah, that's you something know, that uh, I I use as a model. I yeah, I I was like before we were going to record this episode, I I asked her, I got to be careful because we always said we wouldn't say names and stuff. So mm-hmm. I sat down and I was like, why do you think? Because now it'll be gosh. We've known each other since uh, 97 is when we started dating, right? So 24 years. Um, been married 2000, so 21 years. And I was like, what do you think it is? And so together, there's like three core things we came up. And I think you, what you were talking about, that's like everything's highly personal, right? There's so many circumstances that can put strain on it. And um, I think there's a couple of things that happened with us. And one of them was when my youngest, which you know, we almost lost when she mm-hmm. was a baby. So she was literally four months old uh, in a hospital, uh, about to be put on a ventilator, had what's called baby big. Um, no, that's the drug for it, baby big. Infant botulism, sorry. Um, and she could literally die from it. And so it was, for us, it was like this really impactful event of realization of what's so important to us and almost losing our child that kind of, early on, uh, you know, being young parents and really like galvanized things in a, in a good way at the time we didn't feel, didn't feel that way. It felt life shattering and so scary. And, um, but that was like, that isn't something you can plan for, you know, it was just something that galvanized. Um, and then the other two things is early on, um, she had mentioned things that she wanted out of life coming from, you know, not my story to tell other than, um, both families get along, you know, she is a child of divorce. Uh, and so her biggest thing was not to get a divorce and to be, uh, a mom that was home with the, and those were the two things. And so for me, um, you know, the older I got, the more I realized that my part in the marriage, a lot of that was sacrifice that meant not moving them. Right. So that meant, um, like giving up on job opportunities and things and, I've been fortunate. I've had this job where I could work anywhere, but um, so it's a willingness to, sh- to commit to each other's goals, if that makes sense. And being very open about what we wanted out of life. And so I, 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 uh, I mean, you guys know me, I'm simple. Like it's everything behind me. As long as I have video games and a place to like hang out. Totally. Right? Um, and me too. I'm, I mean, like, I'm very similar that way. Yeah. yeah. Have you guys so done that as a topic? Have you done marriage as a topic? No. Gosh, that'd, be, that'd be a great topic. We started with Doris. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing, you know what the other thing was? Is just, and it's it's good, but it could have easily gone the other way. It's just we grew in the same direction. Mm-hmm. So the way that we wanted to raise our kids was the same way. Uh, you know, spirituality, same way. Education, same way. Yeah. Um, you know, just how we want to retire, same way. But I, and I tell our our kids the whole time i'm like you know my you're taking it for granted that mom and dad see eye to eye on almost everything but it it it, it could Very be the rare. opposite way yeah. yeah you know it could totally well, have gone an opposite way it's interesting because I, I draw this analogy a lot that when we talk about marriage and divorce in this day and age like still being married at like 
to your point, Dave's marriage is, what'd you say? It was 21 years. We're about to be 22 years, Jen and I, I use my wife's name. I, whatever. Um, she's one of the five. Um, so the, the analogy I make is that being surviving marriage beyond 10 years is almost like surviving the beaches of Normandy. There are so many, we, we look at our wedding video and I don't know if that's a, probably another topic too. When you talk about grief and death, but uh, we look at our video wedding video now, and it's a series of divorced, divorced, dead, divorced, oh, totally. divorced, dead. Oh, yeah, it's it's unbelievable. Thing, yeah. The amount of peers that we have that have been married and divorced um, yeah. a lot in, in both of our families in my, on my side of the family and my wife's side of the family, our peer group, I mean, not, not, not the generation above us. I mean, our generation. You know, sisters that have been divorced and married, you know, multiple times, and and cousins and stuff like that. It's like we're uh, there, there's something to what you're saying, Dave, and it, I think it ties to the topic too. There are things that occur in a marriage that either galvanizes you or breaks you. It breaks mm-hmm. the foundation. It, right. it right. and to Phil's point, if you're not both in it, doesn't mean you both are marching to the same drummer. Doesn't mean you both have the same goals. But if you don't have the same core beliefs, core um, desires to towards the marriage um then it's it's it, it can't it can't hold it's like building it's like building on a foundation of sand yeah so, and, and so one, one of the things i want to make sure i don't do is say anything about my ex-wife because because my children inevitably might listen to this one day who knows maybe they won't but <clears throat> i will tell you tell you this you know that that um I, I talked a little bit about trying to get just improve myself and do more self-improvement and just um, I was working on myself. You know, I think that um, I was a selfish guy early on in our marriage. I think that I was not a, um, a mature guy before we had kids, you know. And so um, the galvanizing for me was was having children, getting promoted to the point where, um, you know, I had to really take my work seriously. And um, people change over time. You know, you're, you're going through this process of trying to improve yourself and you're going in a direction now. You've chosen a direction, and if your um, significant other isn't also going in that direction, or valuing that direction, or somehow, um, somehow with you there, you know, we we just kind of grew apart. And having children, you know, we had four children together. Um, those were the those were the times when we when we came together, but probably the only times we came together. Like the birth of our children, especially the tw- when the twins were born, she had a very difficult. Um, childbirth. And um, I remember her referring to me as her rock. And like, it was this very, um, you know, great experience for us to sort of bring us together more. Um, And then when my daughter was born, my youngest daughter, um, at that point, our relationship had deteriorated to where we did nothing but fight, you know, nothing but fight. And, And it's even evidenced in the fact that my daughter's middle name is actually two names. She wanted it to be her mom's name and I wanted it to be my mom's name and we just argued about it. And finally it got to where my, my daughter got both of our mom's names as her middle name. Cause she wouldn't budge. <laughs> and it's like, and so, so me working on myself um, got to where we weren't um, fighting anymore. It was just quiet. It wasn't good. I just, I brought, I brought quiet to the, um, to the relationship and that that allowed it to continue probably a lot longer than it would have otherwise. Is me just sort of um, trying to be as accountable as I could, you know, trying to to um, to not 
point fingers, say, well, what could I do first? You know, that can only get you so far, though. If you're not both in it to try and improve together, then eventually you get to a point where you're like, I put all this work in. What are you doing? You know, and that's where it got, you know, it just deteriorated. I will say that my experience in my marriage is probably um, the opposite of Dave's in that uh, where what I had to come to terms with and realize is that it, you can make a marriage work with someone who is very much not the same as you, um, mm-hmm. doesn't have a lot of the same, doesn't enjoy a lot of the same things, doesn't, that, that took me, that was probably the hardest thing to overcome, one of the hardest things to overcome to have our marriage survive was that realization. And I will say I'm a big proponent, I don't know if you guys both um, have done this in, in your marriages, but I am a huge proponent of counseling. Counseling mm-hmm. helped my wife and my marriage, and and I don't I don't say that in oh well, you guys are in really big trouble you should go to counseling. I think counseling is a healthy exercise that should yeah. be done like you would tune mm-hmm. up a car. Um, yeah, I was too proud. I was too proud to to do it. I think I should have listened to that exact advice. And it, you can still one of the best pieces of advice I got from a counselor because there have been you know any. Anyone who tells you that their their marriage doesn't go through rough times is lying to you, um, especially mm-hmm. at this distance of years. You, you know, the marriage. I tell my kids, marriage. I tell everyone, marriage is the most difficult task I have ever undertaken in my entire life. Mm-hmm. It is. It is a lot of work. It's constant work. It. You know, there is there. It's something you always have to be working towards. And I think it goes back to the point that you guys were making, where if one person isn't working, it's like trying to. You know, if you guys both had to like put up a fence, and one person's just sitting there. And the other person is trying to put up the fence. It's never going to work. Right. That's exactly what I'm saying. That's what it was. You know, it was just, it was one person saying, let's get better. And the other person saying, um, I don't know what she was saying, but it wasn't that. <laughs> so, but, but so, so it happens. Right. And so then you go through this experience then of decoupling yourself. You know, what, once you're a married person and you're a father, um, that's your identity. Like I'm a husband, I am a dad. And then once, once you you separate, all of a sudden you're not a husband anymore. Um, who am I now, right? You're, and as a as a man in the state of New Jersey, you're not getting your kids. I mean, unless your your ex wife is like a drug addict or beats them or something like that, you're not getting your kids. And so then you become a part time dad. Well, what like what is that? It was really, really hard. I, I remember, and Dave brought it up. I remember the first night when I finally got my condo, and I was like, "All right, I'm back on my feet." Uh, you know, I, I made it through, and I was sleeping on a mattress on the floor, and I was like, "Okay," and, and I'm laying there in bed, and I'm like, "What the hell? Like, how did I get to this point in my life where I don't have my kids with me? I'm on a mattress on a floor. I was at that point, I was in my 30s, successful professionally." And, um, and I felt like a total loser and you, and you have to then say, all right, well, what, what is my new identity? And you have to just start to, to discover it again. Um, little things, right? When you're married, you just, you automatically, you almost don't even think about your decision-making process where there are some decisions you defer to your spouse and there's some decisions that you take on. And these roles are just, they're almost unspoken. And now all of a sudden I'm a solo dad and I'm, I have someone who doesn't want to get along with me anymore, doesn't want to cooperate, and you just have to figure it out. You know, it, it, I, that was a really difficult thing for me is to be like, wait, I can't ask for her advice. I can't ask for her opinion. I can't, um, I can't rely on her in that way. I'm totally, totally on my own. And it was weird. It just it took some time.
that's a great segue into a topic I did want to make sure we covered with this topic, which is the post-divorce, how do you move forward as you're not a couple anymore, but you are the parents of these children. You will always be the parents of these children. I can tell you from my experience, um, two big things, right? So look at watching you go through it, Bill, and other friends of mine that I've seen go through it with kids. And the big difference between my experience, because back in the 70s, I mean, the the the, the strides that have been made towards parent, father rights are a million miles from where my visitation with my dad was. My visitation with my father before I was the age of five was supervised in my grandmother's house. He couldn't have me by himself until I was five. Then I was only allowed to see him one uh, one weekend a month. I was never allowed to go on vacation with him. They never had me for holidays. It was it was one weekend a month. So now fast forward to I'm watching you guys go through it and you're like, you have your kids like for di- dinner during the week and every other weekend and stuff like that. I'm like, wow, that's it, it amazed me to see the the level that you know dads have been given now versus mm-hmm. during my dad's time when I was like, you know, I only got to see him when I got to see him. The other big topic was our, my experience was the typical sad experience, and that's why it's a very sensitive subject for me when I see other people doing this. In that, I was with my mother's side of the family, and they did nothing but badmouth my father. They mm-hmm. did nothing but say how terrible he was and how awful he was. And I don't think, I don't think people realize what they're doing to the children. Like when you use the children like a blunt object to bludgeon mm-hmm. the other parent, it's you can't, you can't turn around and say you care about your kids that like you right it, those two things are diametrically opposed because if you're mm-hmm. really putting the kids first you would take a moment to realize even if the person wasn't the greatest you're still bad mouthing half the half the person that makes up your child totally. so in their minds they're saying well is, is half of me also that terrible person that mm-hmm. you're, all these terrible things you're saying and and even if not right it's someone that they care about and, and love deeply and so um you're trying to hurt something that's important to them you know just like uh you know if i said to dave um listen classic world of warcraft is a turd and then dave would cry because he loves it so much and hugs no, it at night dare you. <laughs> i still play i was you know what i was doing before this phil i was playing everquest wow that's so much worse yeah, yeah but i mean you know it, phil's it's, lying because he's trying to get me to buy the expansion no, we're we're gonna do classic uh, Burning Crusade <laughs> for sure. If we There's do, no, uh, if we, I'll be down. If we do Burning Crusade, I'm doing it. I'm definitely. Those doing were it. such a great years. They're such I great know. years. They're gonna not be great, but we're gonna do it anyhow. Uh, you um, would be surprised. You know, it's a uh, and and with this is all off topic, but there's something I realized in all things, right? In work, marriage, life, it's always about the people. Mm-hmm. And I was always like, what were games different about like back then than now? And it's just. All of us were us. able to hang out every day for hours. Every day. Yep. Fully immersed in these things. You know, mm-hmm. we had different kinds of responsibilities. We started playing that game as we became dads. Well, well let me tell you and this, as- though. That, as, that is actually um, topical because I would play this game to get away from what was going on in my house. You know, oh, okay. I mean, yeah. I, I would yeah. I would be playing World of Warcraft and put and I could be somebody else and I could be with you guys and I could escape what was this situation in my home that was um, just tearing me to shreds, you know? And again, I don't want to go into detail over the ins and outs of that. If my kids ever want to ask me, I'll, I'll do that, but I don't want to just sort of 
volunteer it. Um, but it was a really difficult thing to, to like slowly but surely um, watch what you thought was going to be forever just deteriorate into um, like almost roommates, you know, and actually roommates that don't even get along with each other. <laughs> so, but, you know, you, you get through that, right? You, you, um, you come out the other end and you're so emotionally and financially just spent that it takes a lot for you to um, – to pick yourself up again, you know, and, and how, how can you be focused on your job, right? When you're going through this, how can you be focused on um, being a good parent and all these other things? And you learn a lot about what you're made of when you go through something like this. And you also learn a lot about the people that you surround yourself with, you know, the ones that are talking stuff about you when you're not in the room. And, and um, you know, those are the people that you want to very quickly distance yourself with, you know, you guys were like my rocks. I mean, I remember, um, even Kevin in Florida, like everybody just rallying around me and, you know, Dave, your brother's giving me furniture. Like people are offering me places to stay. You know, Frank was like, my couch is yours. I mean, it was just every single person extended a piece of themselves to, um, to help me out. And I will never, ever forget it. It was, it was one of those things where you say, okay, like with these people behind me, I can get through this, you know, and you just, you take it one, not even one day at a time. You take it one hour at a time. I mean, that's a great point. I could remember vividly when you were going in the heart of this, when it was really fresh, things were really bad and you reaching out to me and you were very, very upset. Um, and I remember t- basically telling you, just tell, tell me what you need. I'll, 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 I think it was like 1130 at night. I had the kids, like everyone was there. I was like, I'll get in the car right now. You were like two mm-hmm. hours. So I'll get in the car right now. Yeah. Uh, you know, whatever, whatever you need. And then we, I mean, it wasn't too long after, when was it that we went to Arkansas? Yeah. Because that was a big thing where I was, we were talking about doing it with the kids. Yeah, it was like, like that. It was, I was like, like maybe we really a, need to the, do it. It was maybe the next summer or the summer after that. I remember it was, it was certainly when I was um, financially just completely do- like destroyed. First of all, divorce lawyers, how they can look themselves in the mirror every day and say, "Yeah, I'm a decent person," is is beyond me. I mean, these these people, they thrive on. Um, on the acrimonious sort of nature of these things. And they actually intentionally um, make it as abrasive as they can because it's very profitable for them. So, I mean, I spent so much money just trying to, to get to a place that was fairly common sense. And it was mostly because, you know, the two lawyers made it really difficult for, um, for two adults to just get it over with. I mean, I almost think I it would quickly- be better without the divorce. I quickly looked up, like through my pictures, what the date was. It was July of 2014, when we went to Silver Dollar City and stuff like that. That's when it was. Yep. No, but I remember vividly because I was living paycheck to paycheck, right? And we we picked that cabin because it was something that um, that we would be able to afford. But then when I found out that they don't take a credit card, they I needed to pay with a check. I was like, oh my god, I don't know if this check's gonna clear. And Brian came to the rescue and he's like, Hey Phil, I'm just going to pay for it. You get it the next time. And I was, and I remember the weight being lifted off my shoulders of like, okay, well that means I can like pay for the gas to get home. And we, we drove to Arkansas, right? It wasn't like a um, short drive, but it was just one of those little, not little, it actually wasn't little. It was, it was a lot. It was one of those things that just, um, just let me breathe a little bit. You know, a lot, a lot of you guys did those things in different ways where I could just take a breath and be like, okay, um, I had started a new job pretty recently at that point too. And so there was a lot of stress associated with that. 
and then again you deal with sort of like the um the the differing parenting styles now that you're no longer co-parenting even though you should be Uh, my particular experience was that there was no co-parenting really being done um and and that was and still is nine years later, probably the most difficult thing about it is that there's two different stories that my kids get and that they have to figure it out on their own, which sucks. And that's kind of what I encountered as I got older. So, and one of the things my father told me was, look, he goes, I realized that one, well, two things, one piece of advice he gave me is never try and defend him to my family. He said, Mm -hmm. don't do it. He said, it's not worth it. Um, Don't do it. He said, the second thing was he knew that even if I, even if I hadn't seen him for years, Eventually, I'd be a man. I would grow up. I'd leave my house. And I would at least have curiosity questions. And I would seek him out at least once, even if it was to tell him off. And you know, it would give him the opportunity to, to tell me his side of the story. Right? It's one of those – you always hear there's three sides to every story. Um, and I grew up with the one side constantly, constantly, mm-hmm. constantly. Where I had to put my foot down is when my children were born. So I took it and I took that from my family. And then once my son, my oldest son was born. I pulled my family aside and I said, look, because I think one of my family members was bad mouthing my dad, who's now his, my, my son's grandfather. And I pulled them aside. I said, look, I've heard this my entire life. I said, and you know, you felt the need to tell me this and I disagree with you, whatever. I said, but you will not do this to my children. I said, if I see you bad mouthing my father to them, you'll never see them again. I will never bring my children to your house. And that was that. Yeah, well, that's good. <laughs> you know, you got to put your foot down. I um, I don't know what happens on the other side of the fence, so to speak. You know, and what's what's said. I'm sure that it's probably not good. <clears throat> and I had to make a personal decision on how I was going to to um approach that. And the personal decision I I made was I'm never gonna um say a bad thing unless um I have to defend myself you know and if I have to defend myself it'll be evidence based defense that uh, um that I use and again to not get into too much detail like um sometimes like if if you just suck it up and take it then um small impressionable children are going to believe whatever they hear you know and so you have to make sure that they hear uh your version of the story sometimes too you know and that's the thing, I think, through the whole process, always in my head, it was like, well, what kind of childhood are they having? You know, are they, is it normal for them? Is this good? Are they healthy? You know, you, you don't really truly know until they get, um, almost until they're adults, right? Like, like what the whole experience will have been to them. And so throughout it all, I've just tried to make it as healthy and as normal and as supportive as possible, uh, despite the, um, the situation and despite all the, you know, circumstances, um, take them on vacation, try and spend quality time with them, you know, that, that kind of thing. Um, but you never know how you're doing and, and they're not going to be able to articulate it. That, that's been the tricky thing is like, uh, you know, I won't know what kind of job I did as a dad until we look back uh, once they're grown ups and they can have that conversation with me. Right. It's so tough. Now, too, raising teens, mm-hmm. I can't imagine have everything else that you have to have on top of it, Phil. And I'm almost relieved now that my kids are, are, are moving into adulthood because they can no longer be in the middle of it. You know, They can make their own decisions. They're going to be on their own. And all of a sudden, we can go exactly through what Brian went through, which is have real conversations with his father about the situation and hear the other side of the story 
as an adult, you know? I mean, I don't know, Brian, if you touched upon that yet, but it'd be um, interesting if you could just share kind of like the conversations that you had with your dad. So the interesting thing about my relationship with my father was um, at the worst point in my life, he stopped seeing me. So, and it's because he was also the product of divorced parents. So he had, and him and I had many, many a conversation over many, many a fine meal, over many, many a nice bottle of wine about this topic. Um, and I got to express how I still, I, you know, I understood why he did it, but I disagreed with his reasoning. In that, <clears throat> when he was in eighth grade, he was forced to go see his dad. He didn't want to, so he felt if if he was seeing me at that time. So I didn't. I the last I last saw my dad when I was in eighth grade. My grandfather, who was raising me, dies when I'm in eighth grade. So now I my father stopped seeing me altogether. So I lose my father figure. I lose my actual father. Um, and I'm living alone with my grandmother and my mother in, you know, up, up north. So in Weehawken. So it was the worst possible time. I didn't see my father again until I graduated high school. So I didn't see my father for four years. By his choice, he he would send me a gift on my birthday. He would send me a gift at Christmas. I built up a lot of resentment. I was very angry with him. I never understand why. It was, and in my mind, it was the worst. Like when I could have used him the most, he was gone. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, of course, my family had a field day with it. See, we told you, he's terrible, blah, 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 this and that. So, fast forward, now I'm graduating high school, and he shows up at my high school graduation because he was a firefighter. Um, and uh, he shows up, and that's the first time I see him at my graduation. And the, the way that we reestablished a relationship was he said, look, let's just go to dinner, the two of us, once a month. And that's what we did. So we started to reforge our relationship one dinner a month. We would go to dinner and it built from there. So my relationship with my father was very, my, my, my father was very unique in that he was like a really close friend. He was like my best friend. He was a mentor, but he didn't really fill the role of a father. My grandfather did that. My grandfather was, mm-hmm. the, was there day in and day out when I was a kid. Um, so in the times all over, over those dinners, which is fantastic, even with, I mean, I would even say for you, Dave, as the kids get older and they and you get into a cats in the cradle situation where they're so busy and you're so busy and you can't really find the time to connect like you did when they were little, try and establish dinners one-on-one once a month, go to dinner and just have, think of the conversations we have when we go to dinner, like have right. that type of adult conversation. You will be surprised what it does for your relationship, even to a child that you, you raised. But in my case, where he didn't raise me, we got to talk through. Um, and it's a very Italian thing, right? A lot of business is conducted over a good meal and a good bottle of wine. We got to cover a lot of very difficult topics of him leaving me and my mother at my grandmother's, about the things that my, my family said about him, what his perspective on was a lot, a lot of that. And the biggest thing was hashing through why he felt it made sense to not see me from the time I hit eighth grade to the time I graduated high school. Um, and I got to as an adult, because now it's, it's not a parent-child thing. Once they, once they hit adulthood, guys, the reality is they're adults. They could tell you to go to hell. They could right. decide never to see you again if they wanted to. Um, you have to have an adult relationship with them at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was able to have those difficult conversations with him as an adult to an adult, not a father to a son. Yeah. yeah and that, that's the thing I think I'm most worried about, you know, um, 
they get their cars, right? They turn 18. They have no obligation to adhere to the whole parenting schedule and all that other stuff. What's going to happen then? Are they still going to show up? Are they still, I call my kids every night at 840 on the dot, you know, when I don't um, have them with me. And every night at 840 for nine years, I've called them. And they know when the phone rings at 840, they know exactly who it is. And so what happens now when, um, you know, it's 840 and I call my son and he's at college, is he going to pick up the phone? You know, as it is, I can't touch him anymore. Um, when I say goodbye to him, it's got to be like a fist bump, but it's like, like it's the briefest of fist bumps like you could ever imagine, right? And I get it. He's going to be 17-year-old boy. I wasn't wanting to touch my dad or hug him or anything like that either. Um, and so you have to say to yourself, no, this isn't the divorce. This the, It wasn't because of the situation. It's because this is just where a normal kid is in their lives. And I have to constantly remind myself um, that not everything is going to be because I screwed it up for them, you know? And, and that's like... I, I hope that when it, when all is said and done and the dust settles, they can look back and be like, Dad, no, you did not screw up my life. Because my dad, when I was going through some of this stuff, I remember it was at your house, Brian. I was on the swing set with, with my dad. Me and my dad were, were on the swings. That I don't know if they're still at your house. Yeah, we, we um, demoed those. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So anyhow, we're on the swings. And my dad, he just um, – and we never talk about anything, right? My dad is like um, – He's not the he's not like your dad was where you could have all these open like deep conversations. My dad's just not that guy. But I remember I don't know how we got there, but he said something like, you know, you're doing such a great job as a dad. And then he and then he said, um, you know, I, I really wish that I could have done a better job as a dad. And I looked at him and I was like, Dad, what are you talking about? At no point should you feel like you didn't do a good job. I said, look at me, uh, professionally successful. I'm I'm doing just fine. Um, and when I was that age, I didn't really want to hang out with you, dad. So like, don't feel guilty about something that didn't happen because I wouldn't have been cool with it. You know, we played ping pong and tennis a lot and I loved that. You know, that's still, still what I remember, you know, the time I spent with my dad was us doing that together. Dave, do you feel that way sometimes? Cause I can tell you I do. And I think it's a father thing. I think fathers will focus on the thing, the ways that we think we screwed up where the kids will focus on the things that they think we did great. Mm-hmm. Short of, you know, being a total asshole where you beat your kids. But, you know, <laughs> if you're a decent person, um, I think we'll always be harder on ourselves and, and look back on the things that we could have done better. And they don't probably even hardly remember that. All they remember is the good times. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, um, again, like some of this is not something I could replicate. Just situational. So 2006, 2007, I get this job where I'm home. And I I could tell you the difference between raising my youngest and raising my oldest, where my oldest, I did the over two hours in a car every day, long hours at the office. Uh, It was just my wife and, and the little one. And there's like all these memories I missed. And suddenly, like I have these jobs granted. I would travel, you know, for, for days at a time. But when I wasn't traveling, those like dinners you talk about, I would have those during the day. Like mm-hmm. just, it was a, such a unique situation, you know, of uh, just being around my kids, them having access to the me. Um, even to this day, I, we, I, we have a whiteboard in the kitchen and I write 
what dad's calls are all day long in periods. So they know, oh, dad's got a black uh, block of time before like 2.30 to 4 p.m. They have access to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like really rewarding stuff. Like, I mean, I, again, I feel so blessed. Like they'll just randomly come down the stairs down here in the office like my little one just did before and hug me. Like kiss me on the cheek and then leave, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's not something I did to deserve, you know, it's just, it's just a a situation I feel like I've been so fortunate in, but I think you, when when you were saying, Brian, like the time, like what that creates for me is time. And if, if I didn't have those situations and need to create, and when they leave the house, it will be like that. Right. And so Mm -hmm. I got to remember, and I think that's really good advice that I need to, I may be taking time for granted. So then I need to be like reaching out and putting time on their calendars. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, and that's, because that's, it's not. That's, that's the tough thing about being in a situation where your, your parenting time is decided by a piece of paper. You know, I think about all oh, the okay. sleigh rides so, yeah. that I missed, you know, when they had snow days, right? Like there's no rule in our, our, um, our agreement that we split snow days, right? S- simple things like that. Um, how many times just like bedtimes, right? I love reading my son a book to, um, to put him to bed. I get to do that one night every two weeks, you know, where I read to him because Friday nights we stay up late, we watch movies and then it's too late for me to read him. Like whenever he doesn't have to be at school in the morning. So it's really Sunday nights every two weeks when I have him is when I can read him a story and, and tuck him in and do that whole thing. Like I just think about all the things that I missed out on. Because I, I didn't just come home. I have a video that I watch, actually, of my twins. Um, you know, I got out of my car, and I just, like, they used to get really excited when I came home. And so I, I was like, let me get a video of this. And they were dancing and, like, like screaming and so happy to see me and whatnot. And that a year later, um, I wasn't coming home to that house anymore, you know. So I'm glad I got that video. But it's like, how much of those moments did I not get to experience? And and how many of those moments did they not get to experience because, you know, dad's on a schedule now? It's tough. That's one of the worst parts of not having the ability to move past the pain of the divorce into focusing on the kids and having mm-hmm. both parents be able to co-parent, um, yeah. being able to be on good enough terms where you can just still sort of do a lot. I, and I do know some divorced parents who are able to do that and I envy mm-hmm. them and I, and I look at them in awe because I would have loved to have had that with my dad. Like if my dad was yeah. close with my family that we would have been able to do a lot more together, you know? So mm-hmm. if it was a snow day, there would be no issue of, you know, you just running over to your old house and taking them for a sleigh ride right there in the house. Like that, if you were friendly enough to be able to do that. And I, 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 I vividly, I mean, I don't know. Can I can I relay the picture story? Of course, of course. Go All ahead. Right. They were there, so it's not like you're saying something they didn't weren't aware of. Well, <laughs> so we were we were at one of Phil's um, kids. It was a uh, Nicholas's uh, um, confirmation, not confirmation. It was communion. Communion. Yep. Communion. So of course, both families have to be there, and this is this is the point that I try and raise with a lot of people. Is like, just because you guys aren't going to be married anymore. You're going to be in these kids' lives and have to go to things together a lot for the rest, forever, forever, ever. Like you're going to be at marriages and graduations and shit like that. You have to try and come to terms. So I tried futilely, futilely to get um, 
Phil and the kids and then um, Phil's ex in a picture together because this is a permanent record. This is something that is a big yeah. deal. It's not going to happen again, right? It's never going to happen again. It wasn't just a random birthday. And I was told, no, I'm good. Well, I mean, right. Uh, to me, you're not, you, you, you're not, you're focused on the wrong things as an adult. You're not yeah, focusing you're, on the kids. If you're you focusing can't stand on your for own. a picture for five seconds, you're not good. <laughs> you could say I mean, you're good. And you're even on good. the opposite side of the other spouse, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But you guys are still, you guys may not be married, but you're still the parents of these children forever and ever. And yeah. Ever. Like you, that's never going to change. So, well, and the, you know, the bottom line is happy, content couples don't just leave each other. It uh, just oh, doesn't happen. For, for sure. For sure. <laughs> well, you want you know? to talk about, you know, having a spouse who realizes what it takes to keep a marriage going. My wife used to tell other wives and other girls when, they, when they'd find out how much we used to game together. So, you know, we would spend mm-hmm. a lot of time together, this group of guys, right? So, and they would be like, you're okay with him, like, you know, disappearing for hours. She's like, I know where he is. He's downstairs on the computer. Like, he could be at a bar. Like, he <laughs> yeah. could be out. Like, she wasn't yeah. stupid. And she would look at these women, like, think about what you're saying here. Like, you'd rather mm-hmm. him be at the sports bar with the guys? Like, right. He's downstairs. Right. It's, um, There's no women it's playing serious. games. <laughs> and, you know, the other thing is, um, my wife and I talked about this because we've seen other marriages. We're both the types where we need space. We need to be alone. So when I'm alone, hanging mm-hmm. with you guys, gaming, watching shows, there's no feeling of abandonment. In fact, like if I come upstairs and like, let's hang a big, eh, I'm doing my own thing tonight. You know? <laughs> and so that was a, I've gotten rejected several times. I'm like, all right, well, maybe we'll hang out on Saturday. You know, it's like, um, so there's that. And I've seen relationships and I know, you know, I have friends where it's like, especially in my work, you know, I was traveling to Paris and Barcelona and Rome and Venice, uh, you know, everywhere. And it was go. I can't imagine that would suck. Mm-hmm. And there were wives that were like, you're going where, you know? So, um, my wife's very content at home, deep roots with families, loves being a mom, has no desire to travel, uh, and is likes her, her downtime and her free time. And, you know, it's even to this day, it's Friday night, Kids, you know, my oldest is out with her boyfriend. My youngest is gaming. She's a gamer too. No, no, nothing from dad too. They've reached the gaming all on their own. Uh, I'll like knock on the door. Hey, you know, it's like, I mean, what you talked about, Phil, kids as they get older also have different relationships with the parents. So, you know, she'll be like, eh, I'll I'll talk to you tomorrow, dad. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I'm literally... I'm like, I'm going to go game. Everybody is doing something in this house and I finished work, but it, it, it may not have been that way. Mm-hmm. You know, I could have met someone that was very much like, um, couldn't find fulfillment on their own personal, like yeah. inward thinking or downtime. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, I married an introvert as an introverted like me. So it, it kind of worked out. It just happened to work out that way, uh, that we get that space. Oh, is that feels that was your knee a quarter of my eye? I thought that you put your foot up for a second. That's that was funny. Just, just my it's, leg. That's yeah. the other thing that uh, made our marriage work is my wife knew that Phil and I had a non-platonic relationship, so <laughs> she's okay with that. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm so I'm remarried, obviously, and my my current wife is very much an extrovert, and so um, it was one of the things that I had to tell her early on is uh, I'm not like you. 
I'm never going to be like you. Uh, you're not going to be able to, to make me become anything like you. All you have to do is accept and understand that the person that I am now is somebody who needs time to himself. And sometimes the time to myself is actually time with my friends on a computer. And I don't know how that works, <laughs> that it feels like um, being an introvert, but um, it's almost as if the, um, the physical proximity to people is the thing that drains me. But sitting here at my computer is not, is not like um, a physically draining thing. You know, it's because you know that you can just turn the button off and be done in like a second if you need to. And so for whatever reason, this is my preferred. You're not processing the, all of the visual information in your cortex, too. You're not processing oh, someone's face, someone's yeah, reaction. That makes sense. You that can, makes sense. I mean, just looking at your face draining. now is making me uncomfortable, you know? <laughs> well, you guys both know how introverted and prudish I am. Um, yes, of course. Of course. But actually, I'm the opposite. So I'm very extroverted. I get the opposite feeling where, you know, I do get fulfilled extroverted by the time that we spend together. I will game by myself, but I get antsy and I'm the one that wants to go out and I want to go do dinners and I want to. But I think the times that we spent as a group together gaming um, was to me, it's funny that we both have an opposite view of it. You guys mm -hmm. felt it's fulfilled you introvertedly it feels me extrovertedly because i get to joke around with you guys i get to talk to you guys and we're doing yeah. stuff beyond the game and to mm -hmm. david's point like earlier, we are real places the, <laughs> well, well, yeah, i could close like my eyes and, <laughs> and be in augermore um like it was if it was a schoolyard um <laughs> i think to dave's point the, the nostalgia for a lot of those games goes well beyond the game it had everything to do with the people i was gaming with totally people totally. i was playing totally. with the memories of some of the stuff that we the accomplishments i know one of your earlier episodes is about accomplishments like some of the accomplishments we we made like beating mm -hmm. certain levels of the game like beating yeah. anexia and like you know different things like that where i'll never forget it like it was hitting the home run in a, in a little league oh well it's, it's it's a gamer thing though if you're not a gamer you don't get it and my, my ex-wife definitely resented the time I spent with you guys, resented it horribly, you know? Like, why aren't you doing something productive? And I think that's something <laughs> for everyone. Your, uh, your current wife is per perfectly fine with us planning a, uh, a Lord of the Rings marathon at your house while <laughs> our wives go, like, shopping. Or out yeah, totally, totally. Well, it's the difference between being with someone who supports you and, and somebody who wants to find reasons to find flaws in you, you know? I mean, who, um, you, who, you need to be... the collector's edition of the Lord of the Rings DVD, I guess? Yes. No, you just, you need to be with somebody who who, who, um, who supports you and accepts you for who you are, you know? I mean, it's a, it's a really important part of being able to function in other parts of my life that I have a marriage that works. You know, when, 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 oh, yeah. when things are good at home, right, and you have that as your foundation, then all of a sudden you can be very... Um, risky and sort of um, you can take chances in other parts of your life because you're like, well, I, I always have my foundation still. And that's really what my wife is for me now. And to the extent that my children can be like, that is my foundation, you know, and, and the thing about going through a divorce is you don't really know where exactly how stable that foundation is because you're not always around them. And it's not something that um, like, I don't have, um, visibility into what happens when I'm not around. And I know that sometimes it's just not good. You know, it's just things are being said that are not, not good things that are not supportive things that are not healthy things. And so you sit there and wonder like, is my, 
is my son reacting this way because something came out of someone else's mouth? Or is he being that way because he's a 16-year-old and that's how 16-year-olds are? And I'll often in my head convince myself it's the latter when, um, you know, it could very well be the former. And I just, there's nothing I can do about it. So I might as well not dwell on it, you know? I mean, the people that you include in your inner circle, and I think you touched on this earlier in this video, can either drain you or sustain you. Totally. They, they, mm -hmm. One or the other. Um, and, I'm, you know, obviously there's acquaintances you have and they have no impact, but the people that you truly include in your inner circle can either drain you or sustain you. Yeah. And it depends who you are. And I tell this to people who work for me. Um, the same people that don't ever have a damn good thing to say all hang out with each other. They're all around the water cooler. They all have lunch together and they feed off of each other's negativity. And then positive people tend to congregate towards one another as well. And those two different personality types are very rarely going to, um, to harmoniously be together. And I think that's, you know, when I talked about my, my own personal growth, it was really about like reprogramming myself to, to, um, to be a much more positive person. And I will say that my ex-wife did not really do that, you know, and, and I will tell you that the friends that she has, um, you know, whatever, she's got a circle of six friends, let's say, uh, if she was with three of them, they'd be talking about the other three every time, every time. And, and you know that if, if they're talking about that when you're not in the room, guess who else they're talking about? The husbands, you know, including you. And, and that's, that's a really hard thing to, um, to bridge that gap. It's hard to, um, it's hard to make it work when, when somebody's wired to find what's wrong instead of trying to look what's right. They say you're you're only as smart as the uh, five closest people you hang out with. Oh, really? I feel I fortunate. Never heard that. Yeah, and it, it's true. I mean, every time I've switched roles or I had some self doubt, you're all like, "Dave, you could you could do this. You'd be so much better in doing mm -hmm. that than some of the people I know." And nobody. I mean, we talked about this in some of the episodes. There's never been anybody who was blaming other people in our right. circle of friends. It's always like, I got to figure this out. I got to, I got to wrap my head around I mean, this. Let's be honest. Yeah. If Kev's healing is probably the only thing that would come to that. And, and he's got zero fight skills, like zero. Now go ahead, Dave. We got to have Kev. Poor, poor Kev. <laughs> I mean, think about being the healer in the, in our group. It's thankless. It's not I, the priest. I could not take that thankless. kind of abuse. Yeah. I could not take that. Cause, kind of cause none of us were skilled enough to not require copious amounts of it. <laughs> like I don't want that. I don't want that job. It's, it's like uh, it's like being the exchange admin. There's just no way you're out here. Yeah, nobody wants that job. Nobody. <laughs> nobody. Oh man. These kept st stepped up and took it. Yeah. So the team. Yeah. So so Easter's coming up, right? Like um, holidays are always a thing. Um, they're always tricky to maneuver. Like Christmas, so Brian's actually played a, a huge role in, in my children's Christmases because, you know, my my, my um, agreement says that my, because I'm not a religious person and my ex-wife is extremely religious, so I just sort of, um, without even thinking what it would mean, just said, yeah, you can have Christmas every year and I'll have Christmas Eve. You know, Christmas Eve has always been the... Um, the, the day that my family is always separate celebrated more and, and Christmas has always been more like the chill out and play with your toys kind of day. And so I didn't mind that at all. However, um, it's one of those things that you realize afterwards, like, Oh, I got to figure out the Santa thing. You know, is it that there's just no such thing as Santa with dad? And so what I did was I, um, I convinced them that Santa comes early for some kids and, 
the timing would always be that, you know, I'd go to my parents' house for Christmas and then Santa would miraculously show up. I mean, meanwhile, Santa was Heather, um, would show up with all the gifts and put them under the tree. And then the other Santa was Brian, who would who um, I would send a quick text message to be like, all right, we're getting in the car. I and I would change my um, Brian's contact on my phone to a picture of Santa and it would say Santa Claus. And so he would he would call and I'd hold up my phone and tell the kids like, hey, it's Santa. Oh, my God. He's going to like let us know if you brought any presents or whatever. And Brian would go has gone for nine years now. Every year yeah. for nine years has gone through the same spiel where he tells them they were good kids and he dropped off presents this year. And um, and they still believe, man, the, the younger ones still believe in it. And so this year was tricky because of the, the pandemic. We didn't go to my parents' house. Yeah. And so I, um, I improvised and said, hey, kids, let's go drive around the neighborhood and look at Christmas lights. Because there's a lot of um, like the real housewives have a ha- like one of their <laughs> houses here. There's a lot of big houses in the area. So we drove around and, and I was like, all right, Brian, like it's go time. And he, he sort of dropped what he was doing and, and, um, and we got the call and showed up. And by then my wife had, had put all the presents in place and we made it work, man. But such a great honor do. that I'm a part of that memory. I just feel oh, so totally. honored that I'm a permanent part of that memory because you know that's a permanent imprint. Of course. Well, I'm honored too. Right? Oh. I mean, I'm honored too. It's it's um, it's the the kind of thing you need. You need people that that um that are going to be there for you when you go through this kind of thing. I feel for um, there's a lot of guys out there that have no one. They ha- they don't have financial resources. They don't have emotional support. Um, these kind of a lot of divorced dads t- tend to somehow find their way to me, and um, I have to be very sparing in the time that I give them because I get very emotionally invested, and then it feels like I'm going through my own divorce all over again. And so I um, I have to I have to yank it back. I was actually a member of some divorced dads kind of groups on on social media and stuff, and I had to leave them all because. Um, I was reliving that sort of nightmare experience all over again. It was really tough. Yeah. So. No, it's good you recognize that. You gotta. You gotta be uh, take care of yourself first before you can help other people. Yeah. All right. Well, we're like we're a little over an hour in. This is usually our cutoff time. I think we covered a lot. And um, Brian, I really appreciate you taking the time to to jump in and give us your insight. This was exactly what I was hoping it would be, which is. Um, yeah, my pleasure. Hopefully you know. I can uh, contribute to more topics in the future. This is yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. We'll try, Dave. We'll have to. Uh, we'll have to get back on the bandwagon. It's, it only takes a, a text message, right, to get this going. So um, we've got a yeah. bunch more topics that we have lined up. We should uh, should just try and. Plus, I look. This is like when we and you spend time. <laughs> we haven't seen each other in a year and a half, so it's a way to hang out with yeah. you. If nothing else. Exactly. Cool, and man. I and because we're on video, I'm a waver. I get to wave goodbye. Yeah, I don't wave. Thanks, Phil. I wave as well. <laughs> <laughs>